real connection issues. The only goofball up. here is you. All right. All right. You, you all ready now? Gary, you good? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Big B's ready to go at home. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another exciting edition of Triple Threat Talk. Uh, sorry for the long delay. We have had a lot of personal issues going on the last couple weeks uh, between my mother passing and Big B having some personal issues of his own that he needed to take care of and the doctor still trying to play a doctor. Uh, there's been a lot going on around here. So uh, Big B, what's going on, bud? Living life in Los Angeles. It's uh, three hours behind. I know it's like around 10 o'clock local Louisville time. It's seven o'clock here. And uh, yeah, just, just dealing with everything that LA has to offer. I hear you doc. What's up my friend? No, not a whole lot. Just getting uh, getting the writing career back on track. It's fun writing for Movie Web. Uh, I've been doing that a lot since we last uh, since we last did the show. So uh, it's been fun. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know follow my writing on MovieWeb.com. So that's fun right. time. If you if you need to read a good bedtime story, go read. That's it. right. It'll put you to Very sleep. I promise. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So no, I'm doing here. We're hurt, we hurt feelings, you know. We do all that here. It's fun. Once, a, once upon a time, yeah. Once upon a time in a futuristic world. So, uh, like like Big B alluded to, it is ten twenty Louisville time. It's seven twenty on LA time. We have to kind of schedule this around where we can make it work, and this is when we make it work. So, on tonight's show, guys, we're going to cover a little uh, tennis. The U.S. Open's going on. Not that that's a big deal or anything. I mean, possibly. <laughs> and then we're going to talk a little uh, tour championship got underway today, which is which is big news. Uh, college football has started. How about that? Football. Week zero going into week one. That's going to be football. fun. Playoffs. Talk about playoffs. And then, we'll, of course, we'll get into the NFL. And uh, we'll also talk a little uh, CM Punk and All Elite Wrestling. And uh, we'll talk some uh, – I got to go to the premiere showing of uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings earlier tonight. So we'll do a spoiler-free review of that and talk a little Marvel as well. So all that straight ahead. So, Doc, why don't you get us started here with a little go, uh, football talk? Well, I mean, I think uh, I think it's a big talk, at least, you know, here locally, at least. And once again, to remind the listeners, we are here in Kentucky, are the uh, uh, the six, well, now five players from University of Kentucky that were uh, alleged to have taken part in a a little bit of a, uh, I guess, a scuffle, I guess, at a uh, at a fraternity. A party in March. Um, Vito Tisdale was said to have waved a gun at a female, uh, but there is reporting that the dreaded N-word was used that may have incited the violence. Um, they were cleared earlier in the year uh, with the with the uh, student council committee, which is not made out of students, by the way, that caused some confusion in the uh, press release. It is a council to review students. So... Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think Kentucky finding themselves in a little bit of hot water, but not as much hot water as the, uh, U of L men's basketball program, uh, found themselves in earlier, uh, but that is basketball. 
but uh, with football nonetheless, um, going into going into week one against uh, against uh, Louisiana Monroe, it's probably not a lot of something that you want to have on your docket to have a little bit of a drama, uh, especially when the police are involved in indictments, guns, you know, violence at parties. This isn't Porky's, you know. This is you know something you gotta you gotta act professional. So, I uh, you know I. Uh... I was following this story as well, and obviously the full story has not come out. Uh, so this is all allegations, and this is all possibility. This is not truthful. Nobody's accused, or I should say, nobody has been found guilty of anything. Yeah, it's all alleged right now. Yeah, it's all alleged. So we want to make sure we say, you know, it's all alleged. It's not. Um, nothing is factual or of any kind. Uh, there is a couple of about the situation though that are very peculiar to me um one being the fact at that there was no police report filed uh i found that to be very odd uh and i don't know if you have any comments on that but i thought you know there not being a police report a and then b um there was not apparently there wasn't even an incident report that was filed like i guess they should have at least filed an incident report or uh, what they call it, a run report, where they don't file necessarily a full police report, but they still have to file like a run report when they are called on scene for something. And I guess none of that was filed. So we don't know who the law enforcement was that went to this alleged incident. Uh, We don't know why there was no police report filed. Uh, We've mainly heard from the fraternity side of things uh, we haven't really heard a whole lot from the accused. I don't know if that's by design or not. Uh, I guess obviously it could be. Uh, but according to Coach Mark Stoops, I guess it's not that big of a deal because you hear him talk. Uh, he thinks they'll be back on the uh, football field sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think the interesting thing here is, um, you know, Coach Stoops – comments about the team. Uh, one has been cleared of any wrongdoing. I can't remember the, the young gentleman's name, but so I think now it's dealing with the five, uh, the five kids that were supposedly, uh, that were allegedly, I guess is a better word to do part of the incident. The one thing that is interesting is that the, all of them have foregone their right to a pre hearing and have all opted to be in a uh, to be heard by a grand jury. So the case will go before a grand jury. Of course, the grand jury will determine if there's enough evidence to send it to trial. So this story could develop a little bit more in the courtroom. If there is a lot of evidence, like you said, we don't have a lot of information out there, but it has been making its circles around just because it involves six players. You know, the gun was involved. Uh, you have you know, the, the potential for the, a little bit of racial antagonizing. Uh, so you've got, you've got several mixed things here that kind of scream out to local media as, Hey, I'm a tantalizing story. Talk about me. So I, I think, you know, it's kind of got the, the perfect storm of a, uh, of, you know, all that right kind of mix to make this a story worth reaching into a little bit. And I think that's why it kind of caught fire because no one had heard about this since March when it happened. Like, where was this? Yeah. That, and, was, the, that was the thing for me. It was like, we, we didn't hear anything about it. 
you didn't know anything about it, and then all of a sudden, boom, here it is. Yeah. And I thought I thought it was interesting, um, but but yeah, so we'll follow that story to see where it goes. But, but but apparently that's the new way of doing things around here because you know that happened earlier this year, and we're just now hearing about it. And on the other side of the coin, apparently there's uh, coaches trying to extort money out of other coaches that happened <laughs> a while back, and we're just now hearing about that. Uh, that situation is just one hundred percent asinine. Both parties are, both parties have, should be ashamed of how they, how they operated and how they acted. I think um, for those of you listening at home, we're now talking about the University of Louisville men's basketball program uh, with uh, Dean Ogadio, assistant basketball coach, extorting, trying to extort a uh, head basketball coach Chris Mack for for money regarding. Uh, not renewing his contract for the next year. Dino Gaudio said, well, if you don't, I'm going to report several uh, violations such as the 30 for 30s that they did. Uh, they, they do 30 for 30s ESPN rec- yeah. uh, style for their recruits, which is illegal. You can't do that according to NCAA bylaws. And the other thing is that um, the, the graduate assistants were practicing and that's a very minor violation. However, though, for anybody who's listening that it does that is aware of the trouble that the men's basketball program is already in, um, even a minor violation at this point could be catastrophic for them. So, uh, although the the act of the graduate assistants uh, practicing on the court with uh, current roster players is not a big deal to many many a great many programs right now, uh, a program like Louisville that is already you know. For I mean, let's call it what it is. It's scandal written at the moment. Big, um, Big B, I know you're not uh, in town any longer. You're out in the uh, other L.A. area. But uh, do you have any thoughts on this situation? I mean, I, I know you guys have been following the story cl- more closely than I have, but from what I've been hearing from you guys, anytime a sport crosses over from not stuff happening, stuff that's happening off the court, it's not really a good situation. And from what I'm hearing from not only the doc, but you postmaster, it's not a good situation for the schools. And, and I think the last thing on the mind should be anything to do with athletics at this point. Yeah. It seems that uh, one thing I will say in the whole situation with the U of L situation is this administration, although they're publicly coming out and saying that they fully support coach Mack, they fully support uh, Vince Tyree. They're also, uh, discipline, uh, which is which, you know, I've heard talk that you know six games is a little egregious for Coach Mack and the quarter million dollar fine that he received. So, and that does put him in a hole. But at the same time, I think we had such a um, bad driven situation beforehand where stuff was let go and stuff was allowed to just kind of go on willy-nilly with no exception and no penalty and no regard for anything that this administration and President Neely Vendipudi is basically saying, you know, we're not going to put up with that. This is a new regime. We're not going to handle things the way that they were handled in the past. And going forward, this is how we're going to react. You know, like it or not, this is how it's going to be. And I think – on that note, I, I agree with you that the that the six games is egregious uh, 
Rick Pitino got five games for the stripper gate scandal. So, you know, I think that when you when you look at it in the face against prior uh, prior penalties, the six games is certainly egregious, and I would even agree with that. I think that my problem with Chris Mack in this situation, and fully understand he's the victim. I I get that, but when you are recording someone, yes. And the first words that you say on that recording are, Dino, come on, I love you. That's the first words that we hear Chris Mack say. Yes. That is clearly a play that is just in such poor taste because he knows that he's taking this recording. At that time, he knows he's taking this recording in. He's turning Dino in. There, there's, you know, He's going to sleep on it for the night, but he knows he's turning this in the next day. And for us to hear the first words that he says on that recording is, come on, Dino, you, you know, I love you. I think that's just awful. That's in poor taste. I think that that's diverting the situation. That's getting something out there that you want other people to hear. And that's kind of trying to paint yourself as the good guy, even though you know you've done these violations. So saying that, um, you know, if you're Chris Mack and you know that you're going to be recording this, and I know that Dino Gaudio, for most people who don't know, is the one who got Chris Mack his start way back when at Wake Forest. He was an assistant coach under Gaudio when Gaudio was a coach at Wake Forest before Mack was hired on at Xavier. Uh, why, you know, you claim, you know, I love you, I'm your friend, I want to work this out. Was that just a play and a ploy? To me, um, if you knew you were going to turn this in, why why would you say all these things? It's almost like Gaudio was suckered in and he had no idea what was coming. Now, not saying what he was trying to do was right or wrong. I'm just saying from the standpoint of he's allegedly Chris Mack's friend and Chris Mack allegedly loves him and he cares a lot about him and he doesn't want to screw his family over as he said numerous times. I'm not trying to screw you or your family. But a hidden recording and then you immediately turn it into the to the authorities. Big B, if this were you in this case, I mean, what do you think? I mean, it's just, like I said, it's just a tough situation to think about. It's because you know, I, Athletics is the last thing they should be thinking about, like I said before. So it's it's just a dicey situation. And like I said, I'm not – I haven't been following the story as closely as you guys have. So, But it, it just doesn't seem – like you don't want this publicity. You don't want this in your college. You don't want this around your facility going on right now. It's just it's just all, all bad. Yeah, I agree. Doc? I think what – I think what – Mac was trying to do, like I said, is, you know, he knows he's recording this. He knows he's going to turn this in. He's trying to divert. He's trying to put everything on Gaudio. And yes, Mac is the victim here. But what he was trying to accomplish with that is paint himself as the good guy. And it really came across as disingenuous. And the whole thing really kind of backfired on him because now the story has spiraled into, well, why wasn't there a representative of HR there to have this conversation with Dino? That way things don't get this heated. You know, someone who actually knows how to handle the situation, someone who's been trained to handle the situation um, to be in the room. And that's kind of where it's gone now. And 
I think that that's a, I think that's a good way to look at it. If if this is the if this is the route you have to take in order to see how poorly Chris Mack handled the situation, keep in mind, yes, he is the victim. I'm fully aware of that, and I'm fully putting that out there. But if that's the route that we have to go to examine how poorly he did, in fact, handle the situation, I, I think that there are bigger questions that we need to ask other than why was a why was a representative of HR not there? I think some other questions would be uh, why wasn't somebody part a part of the compliance committee there? Why wasn't somebody a part of the the the, the university's personal compliance division there? Someone like Rocco. Um, why weren't they there? And I think that uh, I think that this kind of leads into a few other questions that I think we're going to get answered eventually. Uh, the whole thing, though, coming before a federal judge, that was stupid. Uh, the judge even said, why are we here? And gave Dean Ogadio the minimum, which I think was a year probation and $10,000 fine, which is good uh, yeah. because this was not federal extortion. This was a guy coming in angry about a situation and the judge fortunately understood that. Yeah. But the whole thing opened up another door as to how U of L is poorly handling internal situations. Yeah. So, uh, circling back to uh, the football topic, uh, circling back to college football, I know we were talking about UK and what was going on with their players there. And then we touched on, we kind of got off base a little bit talking about the U of L scandal, but. Circling back to college football, like you said, week zero uh, in the books, week one getting underway um, tonight with, uh, I believe, Ohio State and Minnesota. I think uh, they're playing right now, I believe, as we speak. Um, so, I don't know what Big B's doing over there. Big B, what are you uh, – what are you <laughs> – it's all about Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, baby. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but, in, but in saying that, so college football gets underway. Uh, Doc, uh, I've seen a lot of different um, predictions and a lot of different uh, reasonings behind it. So what is your what is your prediction for the Wildcats this year? And what is your prediction for the uh, college football playoff? Who do you who do you think makes the uh, final four this year? As far as the local teams go, I think I've got Indiana doing the best. I've got Indiana at ten and two. Uh, I've got the the Wildcats at eight and four, and I've got Louisville at five and seven. I think uh, I think it's an improvement for all teams. Uh, clearly, I don't think the Cardinals are going to have the year that they think they are uh, there there was a report saying that uh, it took the offense 100 snaps to score on the defense and that's not what you want here so i think that uh that really means that the defense is really good or the offense is really bad so uh i think with the cats it all comes down to uh new offensive coordinator liam cohen of course who they hired from the quarterback coach position from the rams uh, in the NFL, I think that uh, if Stoops stays away from the offense and doesn't encourage Liam Cohen to play some slow down football, if Stoops actually lets Liam Cohen do his thing, I think that we're going to see something special for the Kentucky Wildcats. I think that Liam Cohen uh, can, you know, some of the things that the offense 
that I saw him run with the Rams, like I said, through the quarterback side of things. Some of the things he had Jared Goff do, I think, uh, were impressive. But if Stoops doesn't play that slow down ball that he's become known for, I think uh, if he actually just lets it go and takes that leap of faith, that's not Liam Cohen actually run his style. I think the Cats will have a pretty special season. Well, it's quite Uh, interesting you say that because I know a lot of uh, local pundits and a lot of local media types around here and uh, have stated the Cats could possibly even go as high as 11-1 and with their only loss being to uh, Georgia. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I think it's possible. And, I mean, if you look at their schedule, uh, based off their schedule – uh, I I I think Kentucky. I've got Kentucky going ten and two. Uh, I've got Indiana. I'm not as high on Indiana as you are. I think Indiana's going to take a step back a little bit. Uh, I got Indiana at eight and four, and I got the Cards at six and six. So uh, I think that the that I think you're going to like you said. I think. The big thing for Kentucky going forward, and I'm surprised you didn't mention it, what is going to be the quarterback play of Will Levitz. And is it going to be, you know, is he going to be a game manager or are we going to get a actual good quarterback play? Because we all know since Mark Stoops has been here, let's face it, the track record for quarterback play hasn't been the greatest. Right. You know, we haven't we haven't seen you know the top tier quarterback play like we had with Andre Woodson and Tim Couch and guys like that. You know, so in saying that, um, I think if Will Levitt plays to the potential that they all seem to think he has, I think the Cats could have a very special season. Uh, as far as Louisville goes, um, I think it all hinges on. Which Malik Cunningham are we going to get? Are we going to get 2019 Malik Cunningham or are we going to get 2020 Malik Cunningham? And if we get 2020 Malik Cunningham, well, then it's going to be a bad, bad year. But if we get, uh, you know, the 2019 version of Malik Cunningham and the defense plays better than what they did last year uh, and it continues to improve, which, you know, all indications are that the defense is a little I think, if, you know, six and six – possibly uh very possibly maybe seven five at best would be a huge win for the cards this season and as far as indiana goes like i said i just i'm not as high on them as a lot of people are and i i see more regression than progression so that's why i'm going with the eight and four prediction big b yes so (laughs) good contribution yeah, right. He just. I like where your head's at. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think, and to answer your other question, um, the final four. I think this year, I think you're you're going to have Alabama there. You're probably going to have Clemson. So then it comes down who are the other two. Um, I think, you, I think it's going to be Indiana. I think Indiana's going to be there, and then I think uh, Georgia will be the other one. And then I think that obviously I think Alabama will come out on top again. So that's that's where I've got. Well, uh, the one thing I will say is Clemson and Georgia play each other this weekend. And yes. I think if Clemson loses, they will not be in the playoff. 
You know, it's interesting you say that, especially with the ACC schedule that they have this year. I, I'm, I'm pretty much banking on Clemson winning that and Georgia being able to play themselves back in. Yeah, I mean it is possible, but um, I, I am like you. I'm going with, um, I'm going with Alabama. Uh, I think Alabama will be in there. I think Georgia gets in because I think they beat Clemson. And I think that Georgia's only loss this season is probably going to be to Alabama in the SEC title game. Um, I like – I know I know they have a young quarterback, but I like what the coach does and I like what they have to offer. So I'm going to say Ohio State gets in. And then as far as a – as far the fourth pick is kind of tricky because, you know, if – I think if Clemson loses to Georgia this weekend but then wins out, you would have to give them a serious argument as to them getting in. But it depends on, the, I think, the how the game is played out and the margin of victory. So I would put Clemson in there with the caveat of if they lose this weekend, it's going to be – the road is going to be a lot tougher – uh, to get into the final four. But I think in the end, Alabama is going to get it done and probably be your national champion this season. I agree with that sentiment. I think, uh, I think, I mean, it's lately we're, if it's not Alabama, it's Clemson. And I just think yeah. that Alabama this Big year's got, they got the best. Big B, how, what do you think about the fighting Chip Kellys out there in UCLA? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, I I just like I said, I just I just moved here, but I don't think anyone here is very high on him as the coach here uh, for UCLA. So I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're going anywhere. Really, not high on a washed up coach. That's a shock. No, no, not Chip Kelly. No, not not the old duck. No. So who do you? Uh, I know you're more of an NFL guy than a college guy, but if you had to give your Final Four, who do you see making the Final Four of the playoffs this year? I mean, I can't disagree with either of you about Alabama. I mean, they're there every year. They're there every year. It doesn't matter who they have or if they lose Mac Jones or lose Tua Tagovailoa or whoever they lose, doesn't matter. They're always there. The recruiting class is always at the top. So they're going to be there. It's, it's scary. I mean, it would be surprising if they weren't there. Um, Clemson's interesting because as good as Clemson has been lately, they did lose Trevor Lawrence. And they, drew, they did lose Travis Etienne, two really good players. So, I mean, you still probably think they get it anyway. Um, but it's not a guarantee with them anymore. I don't know how good these, these up-and-coming players are for them. I mean, the recruiting is probably – I would say second over um, over a, a second behind Alabama. Um, and you, got, you mentioned postmaster about them playing Georgia this weekend. That's going to be like, you know, you, whoever loses could be out uh, looking yeah. out. So, I mean, Huge, so yeah. that's, that's definitely Huge. a tough opening contest this weekend. That's definitely must see college football for opening weekend. Um, and then you don't know, you don't know there's going to be a surprise team. There could be a team coming out of nowhere. I'll say this much. I mean, it's been speculated for years and, and it never happens, but, I firmly believe if Michigan does not do anything this year, Harbaugh is gone. That's that's that. I think that's that's a given. I mean, you're you're hired as the coach of Michigan to beat Ohio State, and there he's not had to beat Ohio State. So uh, that's that's definitely a, a storyline for sure. Um, you know, I got to go with Alabama, Clemson. You know, it seems like Georgia's right right there too. So it's hard to not to pick those three teams. And then as far as like a fourth team, I mean, you have a bunch of like teams that could possibly be in there. I think Iowa's been good lately. I think as far as I know. Um, Ohio State, you know, it's always those. There could be a team at the end that sneaks in. So that's that's definitely, I think, 
I think you have the, the main three, I think it's Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson. Then there's a fourth team that we might not know about till later in the year that they could sneak in at the end. Yeah, you are right there. Uh, you, you know, talking about the matchup with Clemson and Georgia this weekend uh, for college football is going to be a very good weekend. You have a lot of very good matchups. You have Penn State going against Wisconsin. You have Miami and Alabama, Indiana and Iowa, Louisiana and Texas, Georgia, Clemson. I mean, the slate of good of football games this weekend is massive. And uh, what a great way to kick off college football. Um, and I think um, going forward, it's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be great, you know, football being back. It seems like it's been a slow crawl to get here. Uh, I don't know about for you guys, but it seems like, you know, we've been talking football, football and like the last couple of weeks, it's felt like might get there. Are we going to get there? And now we're finally here. So it's good to have football back. That's for sure. I think the biggest problem for me is baseball season just gets so long. Yeah. How dare you? So How dare you? long. How dare you? How dare you? It's so boring. How dare you? So switching, uh, switching gears from the college ranks to the pro ranks. Um, something I want to touch base on before we kind of talk about who we think will have, you know, the best season and who we who we like this season, and that is, uh, and it's not just in the NFL; it's in all sports, but it seems to be uh, coming up more and talked about more in the NFL because of the way things are um, the different rules and the different um, guidelines and restrictions put into play due to COVID-19. I know like today, the Bruce Arians said the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 100% vaccination status. That includes coaches, staff, player, anybody in and around a team, they're 100% vaccinated. And I've seen now where – you know, unvaccinated players have to get tested daily and vaccinated players now have to get tested once a week, even if they're vaccinated. Um, what is your take on all these rules? In fact, uh, looking at it from another stand, from another sport, uh, one of the higher ranking officials in the Washington Nationals organization actually quit. He resigned because of the vaccine policy, because uh, of the vaccine requirement by the team. He actually, the vice president of the Washington Nationals resigned because, you know, he he didn't like the idea of a vaccine requirement. So in saying that, uh, what are your your guys take on the, uh, the, what the NFL is doing and what other sports are doing for that matter in regards to COVID-19? Um, frankly, it's a HIPAA violation. I think uh, people have to realize you know, by pointing out who is and who is not vaccinated, it is, in fact, violating the, the patient's uh, rights as court to the, uh, the Portability Act. And I think that that's, you know, it's, you know, people make a big deal out of the vaccination. And, you know, statistically, of course, the vaccination does help. I'm vaccinated. I don't care who knows it. I think that uh, I think it is important to get vaccinated, but I certainly don't bemoan those that that don't get vaccinated. And I think that, 
you know, where we're going with this is, is crazy and people always want to like this to other, other issues. Well, the fact of the matter is, so people want, want you to have your card and prove that you're vaccinated. Well, do you have to show your polio vaccine every time you go out? Do you have to show your measles vaccine? Do you have to show your Tdap vaccine? Do you have to show your chicken pox vaccine? I, I think it's ridiculous, uh, you know, having to prove that you're vaccinated. This is just one more vaccination that we would rather you lean towards getting. But if you don't, I certainly, I certainly don't, bemoan, like I said, I don't bemoan those that don't get it. I, I think it is a violation of the, of the patient's rights to put it out there, someone like Cole Beasley, who doesn't believe in getting it, and frankly, had the most idiotic suspension I've ever heard in my life, uh, or not suspension, I'm sorry, uh, the most idiotic uh, 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 quarantine policy, because he came into contact with a coach that was vaccinated who had the virus, so he had to he had to sit out, even though the guy was vaccinated. So what they're essentially saying is, we know you're vaccinated, but we really don't think it makes a difference anyways, which doesn't make any sense by any stretch of the imagination. So I think what we need to do is get a policy that makes sense. We have to protect the patient's rights because regardless of anyone thinks so or not, HIPAA is a very real thing and that it carries some pretty hefty fines for violating it. And I think that, uh, when you talk about who is and who isn't vaccinated, you are dancing that line and you are dancing it, not only dancing it, but crossing over it. And I think that's a pretty dangerous set of standards to get through. But like I said, I'm vaccinated. I'm still alive. Not a big deal. But I, I, I do believe in everybody's right to choose whether or not they want to be vaccinated or not. And I think that's where I stand on the issue. Big B? Uh, I, I mean, I agree with doctors in some points. But, um, you know, I think the NFL is just trying to take every precaution they can to make sure the NFL, this, the season doesn't get stopped. Um, they really don't want, they don't want, you know, a widespread pandemic to stop the season. They really don't want to deal with, with going through that. So I, I get, I get where they're coming from. I also agree with the doctor and that point where it's like, I'm, I'm vaccinated as well. Um, I think you should get it. If you don't get it, you know, it's, that's your choice. I, I think that people should, but again, you can't make people do it, but it's getting to a point now with not just the NFL, but all sport. It's, it's becoming a thing where, you know, I think it's going to get to a point where if this continues the way it's continued, cause it's not, it's really hasn't gone away. And it's, you know, it's kind of gone down and it goes back up. It's kind of going back and forth. You might have to, you might have to prove your vaccine to even go to a sporting event. You know, you know when you buy, I think some concerts did that last year where they started opening back up, like uh, you can only buy a ticket if you're vaccinated. So it's kind yeah, of like the that. Raiders, the Raiders are that way. You have yeah. to be vaccinated to go to a Raiders game. So or, it's just, or, or a negative COVID test within 72 hours. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. So it, it's, I mean, yeah, like I said, the NFL is really trying to make sure the season doesn't get stopped. But this conversation about COVID-19 and, and vaccination is a whole nother can of worms besides just the NFL. It's like, when do we – go back to normal when do we not have to wear a mask all the time when do we not have to because you never know like rules can change on a dime and you and you you might have your vaccine card on you might not and if you don't have it on you're in some place well are you vaccinated no yeah here's your card i don't have can't let you in so it's it's one of those things it's like you know and then also they're talking about maybe you have to get another booster another shot possibly so who knows and it's i mean are you always going to have your card on you and and you, you might not you might 
and it's just the NFL really is, is playing I wouldn't say they're playing God, but they're playing a fine line where it's like, well, if you're not vaccinated, we're, we're, we're going to suspend you. That's not the right thing to do. I get they want every player to be safe. I understand that. But if Cole Beasley has his own his own agenda, he will suspend the guy or find him or whatever they find him. I believe. It's just you you lay out the you lay out the laws, you lay out the rules of, of your league, and that's fine. But to force a vaccine on something you have no control over, that's kind of ridiculous. So. Um, I just think the NFL is doing, like I guess, every precaution they can to make sure the season goes smoothly. They want a Super Bowl like they had last year. They want to have the fans. I understand it's a business. So we'll see how the season goes. Like We're going to probably get into the actual game itself. There's an extra game this year, so we'll see how that goes. But they just try to make sure the season goes smoothly and no hiccups or hurdles along the way. Yeah, I, you know, um, I, I to, to what you – we're touching on a while ago, Big B, about we're not sure how long this lasts. We're not sure, like, you know, how long we got to wear masks. Um, we're not sure about what we have to do, you know, going forward. Unfortunately, I think the problem is not from just a sporting standpoint, whether it be a player who doesn't want to do it or a manager or an owner or a vice president or a fan or whatever. They've made it so politically driven that it, it's made it, you know, there's so much misinformation out there one way or the other, whether you're pro or not pro vaccine, you know, there's so much misinformation that is circulating around the, you know, the social media and the internet and the, <clears throat> you know, you get somebody who's quote unquote, as we like to say, internet famous, who has a million followers just because of maybe who they are or something they did. And they tweet out something stupid or something that's false. Well, that million followers are like, oh, well, so-and-so said this. So it must be gospel, you know, and that and that's been the biggest issue, I think. And I think that's what's caused the um, elongation and the extension of this pandemic is so much misinformation and so much, you know, incorrect stuff that has been put out there that we haven't been given, you know, if people would just listen to who they need to listen to and not everybody else, we would probably be already out of the woods by now, or at least pretty close, you know, and unfortunately we're not, but. And I think, I think it's important to, to realize too, that, you know, getting the news from YouTube is never a good idea. Um, I don't want to get too political, but one of the, one of the issues that I, had strong issue with was uh, during the uh, protests earlier in the city early in the summer uh, for Breonna Taylor uh, to, and that's as far as I'll go with that, just to say that this example comes from this two, uh, two live streamers were arrested and the news the next day on Facebook and Twitter and their, their followers were, Oh my gosh, now the police are arresting media. no, they are not media. If you're a live streamer or a YouTuber, you are not media. Jimmy and I are credentialed media. You know, Brandon wasn't here at the time. We did the show. We had the show on the radio. So Brandon, you know, is not credentialed media. However, he is well-versed as Jimmy and I are. But you and I, Jimmy, we are credentialed media. So we would be media. Random Joe Schmo on the street, live streaming something, not media. So when you're taking into account your, you know, your, uh, your, where your news source is coming from, where your news, where your information is coming from, like you said, 
you, you hit the nail right on the head. Not YouTube. Not, not you know, JoeBlow.com. None of that. Just, you know, you, you want to be smart about where you get your news from. You go to scientific journals about stuff like this. Go to, you know, uh, research online about vaccines uh, from third parties and, uh, uh, you know, independent studies. And I think, you know, you'll be, you'll be better versed as far as the information that you get. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. So, uh, switching to the actual playing side of things, uh, in the NFL, obviously the rosters were, uh, cut down, uh, to the mandated 53 man roster. As Big B alluded to, we've added the extra game. Uh, we've taken away one preseason game. We've added the extra game. Um, so things going on. The Patriots released Cam Newton, which uh, <laughs> the, doc, the doc says that Cam could be uh, at the retirement home. So he doesn't think that that's that big of a deal. Uh, so we got week one coming up next week. You got your defending champions, the Buccaneers, uh, playing host to the Cowboys on Thursday night football. Um, some big matchups off week one on top of that you got Steelers and the Bills you got the Seahawks and the Colts um got the Browns and the Chiefs which could be a preview of an AFC title game very possibly uh you got the Packers and Saints which is now going to be played in Jacksonville uh due to Hurricane Ida and then uh Monday Night Football you got the Raiders and the Ravens uh to close out week one um, so a lot of good matchups and a lot of good football to be played in week one and this season, uh, big B I'll start with you. I know you're a, a Seahawks guy, so kind of give us a small synopsis about the Seahawks. Um, how do you think they're going to fare this season and which team do you think looks to be, uh, the front runner as we head into this season of the NFL? Um, so as far as Seattle goes, it's, I don't know, they're always a hit and miss. Like they look good on paper. I mean, they have Russell Wilson. He's in his ninth season, probably top five quarterbacks in the league. They have DK Metcalf, who is an absolute stud. They have Jamal Adams back there. They still have Bobby Wagner. Um, they have Tyler Lockins, who's really good. Their offensive line, now Pete does his own thing with the offensive line. I think it's going to be patched up. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, the NFC West is scary. Scary. You have San Francisco is going to be healthy again. They're getting all those players back there out last year. They're going to be good. They're going to be right there. Arizona is terrifying. They have they have uh, DeAndre Hopkins. They have JJ Watt. They, they have all these. That's all this talent, and it's it's scary. It's scary how good how good um, Arizona is going to be. And then you have the Rams, who I think they're going to be last in the division. I think. I mean, I, I like Stafford. He's a good player, but I think I think just those three teams, San Francisco, Arizona, and Seattle, are just going to be beating up on each other. And the Rams are just going to be, I think, last place. So, any one of those teams, they might all make it. I'll be honest with you. Any, all, any, all three of those teams can make the playoffs. Um, as far as, like, I mean, you're going to definitely see records broken this year. There's going to be records broken as the extra game. So, some there's going to be some record that's broken. A passing record maybe by Mahomes or a rushing record by Derrick Henry or, or somebody like that. Maybe Saquon Barkley if he, if he can get back going. Um, but, yeah, so there's going to be records broken this year for sure. 
Um, we'll have to see how it plays out with the extra game. If if players are getting fatigued or injuries set in, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. So what is your, uh, you know, you're talking about Seattle and, and that. Uh, who do you think will be the uh, – you, you said the that the NFC West is going to be pretty loaded and you think it's a possibility that we could have three teams from the NFC West in the playoffs. In uh, and, and saying that, who is your NFC choice uh, to make it and represent uh, the NFC to the Super Bowl? And who's your AFC pick and who do you think wins the Super Bowl? Oh, boy. Um, NFC and AFC. Oof, boy. Uh, NFC. Uh, I mean, you, you, you have to like Green Bay because this is Aaron Rodgers' last year as a Packer. That's, that's been heavily talked about, how the contract was restructured. Aaron Rodgers is gone after this year. So he's going to be like, you know what? I will win one more ring while I'm here. I'm going to maximize my time here before I, I leave. So you got to look at Green Bay as a good team. Tampa Bay, how could you ignore them? They got everybody back. Um, Brady looks ageless, which is ridiculous. Um, like I said, all those three teams, the NFC West, uh, and then the a- NFC East, who, who knows? They could, one of them could be in a nine and eight for all we know. Um, so, seven uh, seven, yeah, or, <laughs> well, no, no, seven, maybe a yeah, seven, so and seven, and seven and ten. Seven and ten. Um, so, <laughs> and of course, you have the football team. So about Washington, of course, the football team. Um, so with you know Ryan Fitzpatrick on his like what thirteenth team now. So oh, uh, they have a good defense. I like Washington, but I don't know about their offense. So as far as NFC goes, oh boy, if, if you had if you had to pick right now, I'd go with Green Bay just because of Aaron Rodgers. Um, I could probably change my pick eventually, but I just looking right now, I'd say Green Bay just because of Aaron Rodgers. AFC, how could you ignore Kansas City? But I'm going to ignore Kansas City. I'm going to say, and I'm probably going to be wrong about this, but that's what predictions are about, right? Super Bowl, Green Bay Packers, Buffalo Bills. Interesting. And who wins? That's not terrible. Green Bay. I think Aaron Rodgers gets one more for you. He walks away from Green Bay. Doc? Um, I, Brandon's 100% right with the NFC West. They're scary. Of course, my team comes out of there, the 49ers. Um, I think that last year, uh, last year, a lot of the focus for edge rushers came on to Aaron Donald, uh, from the Rams, but there's a scarier one in, in the league. And that's uh, in the form of Nick Bosa, who was out last year, uh, thanks to the Jets terrible field. So I think, uh, I think, you know, we, we lost a lot of players that game last year, the 49ers set a record for. Uh, most uh, most money on injured reserve in a single season. That had never happened before. So I think, you know, we've got these players coming back. We've done nothing but upgrade. Seattle is good. I mean, DK Metcalf is more than a stud. I have no words to describe DK Metcalf. He is just flat out one of the scariest wideouts I've seen. He looks like and a linebacker. <laughs> he is absolutely – you're absolutely right. It's like you've got a linebacker out there catching passes. He shouldn't be able to move the way he does, but he does. Um, you know, and, and like you said, the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals are doing great. They're, you know, they have really gotten – after they separated themselves from uh, Josh Rosen, they have really kind of, you know, come into their own. And 
I think, uh, you know, clearly he was a terrible pick, but they rebounded nicely. It didn't affect them, you know, the next year like it would have a great many teams. So kudos to the Cardinals front office on that one. So I think um, I think one thing that a lot of people are forgetting, though, is that the 49ers were in the Super Bowl two years ago. And had it not been for the atrocious field at the at the Jet Stadium, as well as some other things like that, uh, that that you know our players just we we lost three or four players a week. It seemed like I know one game we went in with right at fifty three people uh, between practice squad and main roster. So I think that you know it's that's a situation not many people you know not many teams have ever had to find themselves in. So, you know, I throw away last year for one reason, one reason only. I mean, we set his, we had historical precedent behind us, and that's never happened before. So, you know, I think, you know, the 49ers have done nothing but upgrade at the positions that they, that they needed. Uh, we went out, we got a great young quarterback to, uh, to learn behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is not as bad as a quarterback as, as some people point out, as a matter of fact, like I said, two years ago uh, with him and the defense, he got us to the Super Bowl. I'm thinking that they're right there in the mix again this year. I think that uh, between, you know, like DK Metcalf, uh, like the the uh, Seahawks have DK Metcalf, we have George Kittle. Uh, both are just absolute beasts. Uh, both shouldn't be able to move the way they do. Both shouldn't be able to have the athleticism that either of them do. But they're both phenomenal players, and I think that you know when you have a when you have a fullback like Juice, uh, like like the 49ers do with Juice, I think that uh, you know that's somebody that can that your whole offense could run through. As a matter of fact, it was one of their priorities in the offseason to secure him for a uh, you know for his contract because the, so much of the offense did run through him and. I think that these are all important factors to say that I think the 49ers will be right there in the Super Bowl. And I think they, I think I, I agree with Big B. I think it's going to be the Bills uh, this year. I think, uh, you know, Buffalo Bills did a lot of good things uh, in the offseason. They upgraded, they had a great, uh, a lot of good draft picks. I'm thinking it's going to be the 49ers versus the Bills. And, I'm going to say the NFC takes it. I'm going to say the 49ers finally get number six. Homer. Homer. <laughs> and first of all, first of all, the better Bosa is out here in Los Angeles, my friend. And it's Bosa. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll disagree on that one. <laughs> so the, right now the over-under for the Niners is ten and a half. Would you take the over or the under? I'm taking the over. Big B. Ten and a half? Yeah. Way. That's easy money to take the over. Uh, I, I'd probably go over them. Yeah, like 11, maybe 11 and 6. And the Seahawks are 10. They're what? They're 10. They're over-under is 10. I, I'd probably go over, too. You, you go over on that. And here's one to throw in there just because because it would be – Here's a good one. The Cleveland Browns over under win total is 12. Wow. I'll leave that one alone. 12 I'll leave that one alone just because I really think they'll hit 12. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, 
So you're liking the so uh, as far as um, for me uh, when it comes to the AFC, uh, I think that you both are you both are picking the Bills, and I say. Although that is the sexy pick. Everybody wants to pick Buffalo and they think Josh Allen, uh, you know, is definitely up and coming and he's, you know, coming into his wheelhouse and he's, you know, they played very great last year and they're looking to improve on that even further this year. But sorry, Michael Rickard, I'm not going to give you the clean sweep and say the Buffalo Bills are making the Super Bowl. I, I, you, you forgot about one, one guy and one guy alone. How can you forget about the man, the myth, the legend, Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? Because the Chiefs are still going to be tough to beat. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be representing the AFC. And I think we're going to get the mat, I think we're going to get the Madden matchup because it's going to be MVP versus the GOAT. We're going to get, Pat Mahomes versus Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. And I think Tom shows Pat Mahomes again why he's the GOAT. And Brady and the Bucks get it done back to back Super Bowl champions. I mean, it, the good thing about the NFC this year is that there are five or six teams that you think will win. The AFC, probably more like two or three. But can we all agree on one thing? What's that? Network television, stop shoving the NFC least down our throats. Please, for the love of God. I don't want to see the Cowboys versus the Jets. I don't want to see the Cowboys on television every month or every every week, every primetime game. Spread the love around. The NFC East hasn't been relevant in 15 years, people. Come on, network television. I need you to catch up. <laughs> One thing I one thing to uh, back up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers return all all twenty two starters from last year's Super Bowl squad, and that has not been done since the nineteen seventies Pittsburgh Steelers. And we all know how good they were. So there's no reason to think that those Bucks can't repeat the performance that they did down the stretch last season. Uh, Couple of like I said, I don't think anybody's wrong. I don't. I think we've all got good picks out there. Yeah, couple other uh, over unders, and then we'll move forward just to throw some out there. Uh, you guys, tell me what you think. Baltimore Ravens over under win total is eleven. I go under. Under under. The I say I say over. That's just me. Uh, Chicago Bears seven and a half. Oh. Oh my God, that's another one. I think I wouldn't touch. Over. I don't. I don't think I'd touch. I think I'd pass on that. I say under. Uh, the Denver Broncos eight and a half. Under. Under. Yeah, I say under. Um, ooh, the Green Bay Packers are only at ten. I take the over. I'll go over. Here you go, Big B. The Houston Texans four. Uh, if if the rumor that's out there is, is, is official, where the the Miami Dolphins might get Deshaun Watson, it's going to be zero. It's going to be under four. It's going to be zero. They're not going to game without Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Gosh, statistically, you got to take the over on that. Oh. 
I go under. Under. Without Deshaun Watson, they're t- they're the worst team in the league. It's not even close. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go statistics and I'm gonna take the over. Jacksonville Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence six and a half. Under. I say under. I would I say, say under, under only because they lost Travis Etienne for the entire season. And then one more, and then we'll move on. Let's go. Uh, here's a good one. Let's go with the newly crowned New England Mac Joneses. Uh, total win over under win total nine and a half. Under, under, under. He's a I, he's a, he's a rookie. He's got a lot to learn, and there's no one behind him like a Cam Newton. So he's got to learn on his own. I was about to say the same thing. As a, you know, interesting uh, thing about that: the Patriots currently have only one quarterback listed on their roster. Yeah, one backup. No, one quarterback. So it's just Mac. Just Mac Jones. I thought Hoyer was on there for some reason. No, they, they released him too. There's definitely oh. something going on that they're not saying because if you're going to give Mac Jones the starting job, that's fine. And then have Ken Newby to back up. It's like, okay, Cam will I'll help you and you'll be able to be ready to go. They caught him completely. So something was definitely yeah. going on with Cam and that, that's why they caught him. So. Yeah, I agree. One, uh, one, one, one quick thing. Sorry to interject. One quick thing. Sure. I don't know what the doctor's reasoning was. And believe me, nobody, especially me, did not forget about Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is, is as good as advertised. The reason I picked Buffalo over Kansas City is because I think Buffalo runs away with the AFC East, while Kansas City, they got to battle the Chargers and they got to battle the Raiders. So I think I think Buffalo gets number one seed, and they have to play in Buffalo as opposed to Kansas City. That's kind of along where my reasoning was. Um, the other part of my reasoning is because I I I think that they took a downgrade or two on their line over the offseason. So I think that that kind of scares me as well, kind of uh, for Mahomes' sake. So uh, just some of their personnel and all that and. You know, a great quarterback can overcome that, and Mahomes is certainly a great quarterback. But I think, I think Josh Allen and the Bills have been right on their heels. You know, there's been uh, very little separation between them, and I think this year they just get the match because it's probably going to be them in the AFC Championship game. And I think this year the Bills will get it. If the if the if the Saints have more than ten wins with Jamin Winston as their quarterback, is Sean Payton coach of the year? Yes. Uh, I would say yes, but I, I again, we'll probably get to this at another point in the show. But I really am high on the Giants this year, so I don't know. No, no. Saquon is back, baby. No, Saquon no. is back, baby. No, the Giants. Saquon is back, baby. Uh, they haven't been relevant since the NASCAR defense. <laughs> I think it's like they haven't been relevant since Phil Sims. <laughs> no, there was no, there was a guy there named Eli. And you can't. Oh, you mean you mean Eli? You mean Eli? Eli. So keep that in mind. So that, uh, speaking of uh, New York, there's a little tournament going on in New York right now. Uh, the the U.S. Open tennis championships going on. Uh, a little rain last night. That was a little wild. A little. I wouldn't say a little. <laughs> a little wild. I would say a flood. <laughs> yeah. A I think flood. I saw. I think I saw Noah out there in his boat. 
And we had a tornado <laughs> on the Jersey Turnpike all the while trying to play a tennis tournament uh, in, in New York. Uh, Big B, there's not a lot of big names left in this tournament. Uh, a lot of the big names either didn't even play in the tournament or they're already ousted. Um, you know, no, uh, everybody's favorite or your favorite, Novak Djokovic, is going for the calendar grand slam. If that, if I'm, am I correct in saying that he's going for the calendar yes. grand slam? Yes. Uh, who is the last tennis player to get the calendar grand slam? Oh, it's uh, just one other. Isn't it? It's uh, it's of course uh, Mr. Legend himself, Mr. Rod Laver, nineteen sixty-nine. Wasn't that the only other time it's been done? Uh by a man. Yes, it was done by Steffi Graf yeah. in eighty-eight, where she won the countdown and she won also Olympic gold. Yeah, nice. So, so in saying that, Big B, take it away with a little tennis coverage. Um, Make so- it quick. <laughs> wow. wow. Make it quick. Oh, okay. I can say something, but I won't say it. Anyway. Go ahead, um, say it. That's what she said. I know. That's what you wanted to say. Isn't that what she said? That's right. No. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's funny. I'm not going to talk about the actual playing right now. I mean, yeah, Djokovic is going for history, and that's great. And then, uh, you know, you have, you have a lot of up-and-coming players like Medvedev and, and Zverev. And, and Zverev won a gold medal, so he's looking to win, another, uh, win his first Grand Slam. Um, and you have the women's side. You have Osaka, who's trying to win another one, and and Barty's really a favorite. But I'm not talking about those players right now. I'm talking about one person and a rule that needs clarification. So the big story out of the U.S. Open has nothing to do with Novak Djokovic, has nothing to do with the actual play, has nothing to do with the rain. Has to do with yes, that's right, a bathroom break. Yes, a bathroom break. So, first round, uh, Andy Murray, who, who I think Gary knows who that is, obviously, a, a mm-hmm. former uh, Grand Slam champion in his own right, kind of weighing his, in his career. He's getting on the towards the end of it, but he's still a top-level uh, top player. First round, he plays Stefano Tsitsipas, who was the third seed at the U.S. Open, and he is a young, up-and-coming player. Murray goes up two sets to one, and then so Tsitsipas wins the fourth set. So, they're up. it's a two, two sets apiece. For, next set wins. Uh, Cincy Potts goes off the court to go change or go to the bathroom or whatever he did on his, his break. He, I guess that I was working at the time, so I didn't see it, but I read about it later. He, I guess, took a long amount of time, longer amount of time than he was supposed to, or, or how Murray viewed it, and Cincy Potts won the match. So then in press conference later, Murray said, you know, Cincy Potts is great for the game and everything, but then he said he lost a lot of respect for Cincy Potts because of the break. And that was a whole whirlwind of, of conversation from Andy Murray to Zverev saying he's, he think, he's this thing that he thinks Tsitsipas does often. Um, he, he, I don't think he accused him of cheating, but he, it just seems like it's, they don't think it's a real fair thing to do to take the break. And, you know, they've been talking about it on the coverage uh, last couple of days. And there's no real rule set in place. There's no rule says you have to be back on court by such and such time. You can take a break. You can take a bathroom break, go change, or, or what you need to do after the set. But there's no break. There's no rule says – you have to be back in 10 minutes. You have to be back in five minutes or whatever it is. So last night, you know, I feel bad for the kid. Since he's still a kid, he's like 22, I think. So I still, I feel bad for him because he's in New York. It's a big city, big tournament. He goes, he lost, the, he won the first two sets. He lost the third set and he came back on the fourth set after a seven minute break and he gets booed by the New York crowd. So with that being said, um, 
you know, the, the, the ATP, who's the, who's the, the governing body of, of the men's tour, um, is looking at the situation saying, we have to put a rule in place if this is a thing that goes on. Um, I, I hope Sitsipas isn't cheating. I, that has been talked about. Um, I like the kid. He's a great young player. He's great for the sport. He's going to be around a lot longer than these legends are because they're going to be gone in a couple of years, especially Roger and Rafa. They're going to be gone in a couple of years. Novak will still be there. But these young becoming players are going to be there. So I hope this is nothing more than just like he's taking a break. But if you feel – and then and Sitsipas said there's no rule. There's no exploiting rule. He's not exploiting anything. But if, if, if this is a thing that continues – the governing bodies of me have to step in and, and figure out a specific rule because if this is a thing that people are able to take advantage of, then he's not, he's not going to be the only one, he's not gonna be the only one's going to do it. Other players are going to do it as well. But, you know, a couple years ago, um, Medvedev was, was getting booed because the way he was reacting to the crowd. Now, 50 plus is the villain. So I, I don't know where we're, we're, at, we're at here with this situation. I mean, he's going to play another match uh, coming up, I believe, tomorrow. I'll, I'll check in again, but he's going to be playing another round. And – you know, we'll see. He's actually he's playing uh, Carlos Alcatraz, who's a, uh, Alcaraz, who's a young, up-and-coming Spanish player. He's probably going to have the crowd behind him, and since he is going to have to try to get through that. But if they go to a fourth set or a fifth set, he takes another break, who knows what happens? So it's definitely a, a topic that has to be looked at by the governing bodies. And as long as this tournament goes, it's, it's, the eyes are going to be on him. I'm sorry, what did you say? I had to go take a bathroom break. <laughs> so apparently on the uh, on the on the, the piss break match during the paper is that it? Oh, so it was the so you're saying Big B's coverage of tennis was the the uh, equivalent to the ice cream match? That's right. Yeah. That's so right. Basically, well, how the doctor feels not about post match, but the do- I think the post match feels about the same way too. Uh, my coverage of tennis is basically Big Show versus QT Marshall this Sunday. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually, I'd actually put it more towards the Doink versus Dink, but sure. Uh, Doink is dead, you jerk. You mean, you mean the fact yeah, that I know, just like that tennis report. Big Show's gonna <laughs> and crutches and say he can't wrestle, and Braun Strowman's gonna debut. That's right. Yeah, Postmaster. Uh, well, that's what I just said. We don't mention Braun Strowman in this house. <laughs> you're not a, you know you're not a big fan of bro i never i never was i don't like him either and then I they gave him the him. belt they gave up on him i know they gave him the belt and they're like eh, we're done with him we're done with him yeah so moving on from the tennis uh oh well sorry before we move on do you have any thoughts about uh, the war we were this close <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm generally curious. Like, do you have a thought about the rule, or how it's being exploited, or you well, want to look? If we're if we're talking about if we're talking about people stalling for time in the in the in the general realm of athletics, I need everyone to settle down and realize that that has been a a a club that has been long, long around, and this sissy pie guy is just the latest member to step in line. I mean, you're talking people, you know, Belichick uh, is one of the kings of that. And his, one of his, one of his, uh, one of his coaching tree, Mike Vrabel is certainly getting, getting the hang of that as well, you know, stalling for time. So I think, you know, if someone wants to get on someone about a bathroom break, if that's the biggest problem in tennis, the tennis has got it pretty good. So. <laughs> I mean, I you know 
I know there's some, as as our old buddy Wade Barrett would say, there has to be some decorum around here. And clearly, Sissy Poss is not showing proper decorum uh, on, on the court because we have to talk proper. You know, we got to have our $30 glass of champagne and our $50 cheese and ham sandwich when we watch the U.S. Open because apparently that's the thing, Doc. And by the oh, way, yeah. a fun fact about the U.S. Open, a suite at the U.S. Open. Now think about this for a second. I don't know if food is included or not, but if you want, say, a box suite for the U.S. Open. Can I take a guess? Go ahead, take a guess. How many's in the box suite? You had to tell me that. Uh, it's less than 10. Okay, less than 10, U.S. Open. I'm going to say 75,000. No, more. Okay. My first guess was going to be 125,000, but then I had more. More. What? What? More. Keep going. 250? 250? Keep going. Three? You're not even close. I'll just tell you that. Oh, my God. It's in the millions. You're kidding me. No, and I'm not joking. You can look it up and know that I'm not kidding. It's, it's Are these the scalp million. prices or face value? This is face value. Brandon, I need you to call your people and tell them to settle down. <laughs> it's New York. It's New York, baby. It's New York. It's New York, the worst, baby. The, the worst city on the planet? Yeah, I understand yeah, 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 that. Yeah, that's, yeah, all yeah, that's, that's, that's New York, baby. <laughs> so... Uh, so, yeah, Doc, if you ever had any delusions of grandeur of going to the U.S. Open and sitting in a suite, I uh, hope you won the Powerball because otherwise it's not happening. I was going to do it next year. I'm glad you told me. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from the U.S. Open to uh, the Tour Championships at the uh, East Lake Golf Club in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh they teed off today, you know, the top 30 golfers in the world going at it for the tour championship. Patrick Cantlay, how about this, Doc, for a first round score? 13 under par after one Jeez. round, leading leading uh, Mr. John Rom, world's number one John Rom, who shot an 11 under par. Um, Louisville, Kentucky's own Justin Thomas is in fifth at a seven under par, uh, heading into the second round of play. Oldham but, County. Yeah. So in saying that, Doc, 13 under par in the first round. I mean, that's ridiculous. The tour championship should not be this easy. No, it should not. But you have this open. I think what the hardest tournament they play all year is the U.S. Open. I think and so. yeah. I, and that's like you have scores like one two under. I mean these these kids, the the problem with golf is also kind of what makes it exciting is that you see such spectacular shots and such spectacular play, and you have these moments where you know three or four golfers are going to get ten under, but that's over the course of the weekend and not the uh, and not the first round. So by that, we're, what we're going to do? We're going to have scores you know 40 under <laughs> is that what we're gonna do because that's that's ridiculous it's exciting but it's ridiculous i agree it, i mean 
it's crazy. Uh, but so it'll be interesting to see if Kent Blake can hold on and uh, lead wire to wire. Usually, when someone puts up such a high number at the beginning of the week, it doesn't. A lot of times, they either falter or it doesn't hold up. Uh, like I said, John Rahm is breathing right down his neck in second. Then you got uh, Bryson DeChambeau, aka Brooksy, who I don't know if you saw. Did you see that story? The horns down. No, well, no. Did you see the story where if fans start, uh, if fans start, um, if, if fans they start saying horns Brooks- down, that they had to go. Oh, it's Brooksy. Yeah, that, I uh, thought it was horns down. No, it's if they chant okay. Brooksy, they have to uh, they have to get thrown out. They're thrown out of. They're literally getting tossed I, out. Of the I did see that course, which is crazy to think. It's 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 kind of like going back to football for a minute. It's kind of like the first year Satterfield played Stoops, and the players, UK players, after they beat U of L, were doing the L's down, and Satterfield yes. complained about it to Stoops, and now it's a thing forever. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. I remember, I remember that. I do remember that very. Much. Crazy, but uh, any other uh, any other sports topics on your mind before we transition to uh, Marvel? No, I think I'm good. I uh, I'm excited to uh, share my fan theory, which has kind of taken off a little bit with uh, the help of my friends at MovieWeb.com. So, but yeah, it's been I fun. We, I think we've lost Big B. By the way, Big B is not. Uh, he he's lost connection on anchor. He's trying to get back on, but hopefully. By the way, while on. we while he is connecting, we do have to tell you if you want to try to make your podcast, it's as easy as possible. Anchor.com not only lets you record your podcast with just a click of a button. It, trust me, if Jimmy can do it, anybody can do it. Whoa! <laughs> just whoa, whoa. just the. The click of a button, cut your own sound, put your podcast together. Anchor is where you want to be. Uh, not only do they do that for you, but they also help distribute your your podcast to several venues, uh, such as Apple and Spotify. So if you do if you do want to do it, you got to do Anchor. Anchor is the best way to go about making a podcast. I mean, you are right, but I mean, you didn't have to call me. Out <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, really? You're gonna call me? Out and also to anchor anchor.com uh to to make your podcast also if you want to leave a message for us you can do that on the leave a message audio feature at anchor.com backslash triple threat talk uh you can do that as well so barring barring another tragedy we won't be gone for six weeks again so no no, hopefully yeah. not. Oh, Big B might be because we can't get affected. So we may have lost. See what happens. He moves. He moves out west, and he's having all these issues. It's probably the stupid uh, Chargers hat he's wearing. That's probably that's probably what it is. <laughs> and that's probably- I can't tell what team he cheers for anymore. He he just hops around. You know. He he flip flops worse than a yeah. politician. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. Never know, never know what what team that guy's going to cheer for. It's weird. We'll just start, instead of instead of calling him Brandon Demiro, we'll start calling him Doctor Fauci. Oh, did I say that? No. 
<laughs> the team has changed. The team has changed. <laughs> oh, man. So, so, moving on to a little uh, Marvel talk. I know, uh, like we said, uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings came out tonight and uh, in theaters. And you said you uh, you wrote you did write an interesting article on MovieWeb.com that people can check out as well. Uh, you said you're going to see the the movie tomorrow, Friday. Yeah. Those of you all who might be listening after this after that moment, you're seeing it on Friday. Uh, yeah. Without giving anything away, because I don't believe in giving away spoilers, uh, I will tell you that I was uh, legitimately. Um, surprised I was uh, blown away I I went into it with low expectations uh, I wasn't sure you know exactly how to take it I wasn't sure exactly which way they would go how they would go about doing things and I must say uh, it was a very well done movie uh, a lot of action a lot of uh, family storytelling um, there's also two scenes after the movie goes off. So I know Marvel, most all Marvel fans know there's always a credit scene, but there is two credit scenes, not just one. There is a mid credit and an end credit scene. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but a very well done movie. Uh, in fact, when the movie was over, I immediately hooked over at uh, Stephanie and I said, you know, hey, can we rewind that and watch it again? Because I'd love to rewind it <laughs> in theaters. Because it was a very well done. I was, if if, um, I thought it was better than well, way better than Black Widow. Um, I thought that it, you know, like I said, from the storytelling, the action, and everything, uh, it, it was just an awesome, awesome movie. Uh, I'm sure you'll probably feel the same when you go see it tomorrow. And uh, I I think this movie is going to get a lot of positive reaction, a lot of positive feedback. And I would be utterly shocked if it didn't, honestly. So the, um, so, you know, once again, I got to give uh, a plug to MovieWeb, MovieWeb.com, followed by 4 million people uh, to get their entertainment news, which includes now a lot of talk with the MCU uh, I started a new uh, anthology series on movieweb.com in addition to my other articles. If you can follow, we have several talented writers, Anthony Lund, Jeremy Dick, uh, Jennifer Navarro, several talented writers that write for movieweb.com. Uh, great editors over there. So you, know, you definitely want to check out the writings at movieweb.com. Uh, I'm starting a new anthology series in addition to my normal articles called Comic Book 101 in my first episode of this uh, my first, uh, not episode, but I guess my first, uh, my first writing on this is uh, Shang-Chi. Uh, a lot of people aren't familiar with him. He's kind of like equivalent to when Marvel did the Guardians of the Galaxy came out of nowhere. Uh, it's it's a gamble. Um, he's been around since '73 though, so he's had a rich, uh, a rich history. Uh, part of that history has been uh, seeing his. Uh, seeing his friends being taken captive by Thanos. Uh, he did have a run in with Thanos. Uh, he can channel his chi inwards and become kind of a, a strong superpowered being uh, in uh, Ares, which is, you know, the Greek gods. 
has said that uh, he can hold his own against uh, against Ares. So it's pretty good for a non-superpowered human character to go toe-to-toe with essentially a god. So yeah. Shang-Chi has some, has some power potential there. Um, and when you add the 10 rings to his power level, it just gets ridiculous, I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, so it's going to be an interesting movie. Shang-Chi definitely has the, uh, the rich history that we're looking for. Uh, he works with Spider-Man a lot, which I think will be you know, interesting to see how how this because this is going to lead into the Eternals, which of course is going to lead into uh, No Way Home. So I think uh, you know, the, so Marvel's definitely closing up this year strong. Yes, uh, with uh, with the next three films before we hit twenty twenty two. Without a doubt, Big B. Hello. Yep, you're good. <laughs> Hello. I don't know what happened there. My phone decided to like, you know what. Here, the phone is like, you talk about tennis, get out of here. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Shang-Chi uh, looks very, very good. I'm very happy for the actor that's playing it. Uh, I watched him in the show uh, Kim's Convenience on Netflix, which is a very funny, uh, good uh, written uh, comedy uh, that he was on. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him more in the MCU. Um, I think Marvel's got a lot of stuff coming out this year. I think mean, you have Shang-Chi coming out. Spider-Man looks really, really exciting. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to more of this. And I watched What If this morning. What If was very good. So I'm, I what if is, What's it say that again? Well, What If is fantastic. And this episode that dropped yesterday is a lot more important than what people are taking on oh, face yeah. value. And I think, I think my favorite thing about What If is like they got a lot of the actors to play their to play these roles. They got a lot of the main yeah. cast to play their play their, their heroes, which is I think is a really good job by them to get these people to do them. So. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody this week, but next week we'll talk about why this episode of What If is just so important to the grand scheme of the MCU and what they're trying to do. Because make no mistake about it, this episode is more than just face value. Yeah, uh, they, they're definitely uh, moving in the right direction. Like you said, What If is a very entertaining uh, show. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, do yourself a favor check it out i know a lot of people like to discredit it just for the same for the reasons of because it's not live action it's uh, animation but the animation is fantastic and yes. um like you said the, with the real actors and actresses that played the live action character are playing the voices on the animation which makes it great um and the storytelling on the what if has been fantastic and like you said um when you do go to See uh, Shang Chi in the Ten Rings. You will get uh, you, you'll get treated to an Eternals trailer and a Venom uh, Let There Be Carnage trailer as well. So that is my next comic book one hundred and one. I was going to say that uh, the next episode of Comic Book One Hundred and One will focus on Carnage. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't show a Spider Man trailer, which I thought would have been cool to see the Spider Man trailer on the big screen. But hell, I've already watched the No Way Home trailer three or four times anyway. So, and that looks <laughs> like it's going to be absolutely epic, epic, epic. Uh, Hello, Peter. <laughs> and uh, S- settle down, Alfred Molina. And uh, to to say the least, and you know. Uh, I think it's crazy that that movie has already garnered more views than Endgame as far as trailer release. That that 
that broke the record for most viewed movie release trailer uh, on YouTube, I think, which is insane. Yeah, so, I did. So, um, but it's definitely a great. Did you guys uh, on a sidebar from Marvel? Have you guys checked out uh, Suicide Squad yet? No, because I know what they're doing with the villain and they're not portraying the villain properly. So I'm not a big fan of some of the things that they're doing. I will say this, uh, for those of you that have seen the film, uh, go back and watch the scene where Nathan Fillion's character, detachable kid dies. Uh, and, um, check out his life monitor, uh, back at HQ. That's all I'll say. Uh, when, when, uh, he's on the ground, uh, there's uh, something interesting you'll notice about the life monitor in the background with, uh, where, uh, where, you know, it tells people if they're alive or dead, something interesting about a detachable kid life monitor that Sean Gunn has come out or that, that James Gunn has come out and said, uh, pay attention to that. Big B. Uh, not only did I see Suicide Squad, I saw the original a couple years back, and that was, uh, for lack of a better term, bad. Um, the original was it wasn't good. Um, it just shows how how bad it was because they got rid of everybody except for Margot Robbie uh, to reprise the role as Harley, Harley Quinn. So, um, I thought that the new one was very good. A lot of action. Um, you can definitely tell what James Gunn said is actual absolute truth. DC told him. Do, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. And he literally did. Um, I thought it was very surprising to hear Stallone as the shark. I thought that was really funny. Um, John Cena was absolutely phenomenal, and, and he's going to get his own spinoff at HBO Max. I'm surprised he has the time to do it, but God bless John Cena for having time to do all this stuff because that's really cool. Um, and I like Idris Elba. He's a, phen- he's a phenomenal actor. So it was definitely a great cast and a lot of good action. Uh, very enjoyable movie to see in theaters for sure. Yeah, I've yet I've yet to I've yet to see it myself. Kind of along the same reasons of uh, the first one I thought was okay, but I didn't think it was that great, and so and I didn't think this one would be worth a watch. But I may have to sit down and you know give it some time and give it a couple hours, I guess, and give it a watch. Uh, I don't know if you uh, just a another quick movie note if you guys went and seen this which i thought was absolutely hilarious and one of the best movies i've seen in a while non-comic book related but in a way if you haven't you have to see free guy because that movie was outstanding the ryan reynolds film yeah i think it's on my to see list all I'll say is it has the best cam, one of the best cameos ever in any movie that's ever been made. All right, I, it's it's hard to beat the Liam Neeson at, at Ted too. It, it's hard to beat that. <laughs> oh, no, or Ted, Ted, okay. Ted, yeah, I mean, yeah. If I buy it, they won't be followed. Uh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> we're not we're not paid to do that. <laughs> but I won't spoil it. I'll just say the cameo in, in Free Guy is is outstanding. Is it is it better than the Liam Neeson one? I thought so. Oh, because I was with you when that happened. You and I yeah. watched that movie together. Yeah, and you you about peed yourself. Uh, I mean, I did too. To be fair, it uh, was fantastic. You will you will laugh your ass off, and you will greatly appreciate it at the same time. Okay, Ghostmaster. Yes, sir. Is, is the cameo of Brendan Fraser? No. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. You want to know Brendan- who it is? No, absolutely not. 
Good. I wasn't going to tell you, but unfortunately, I wasn't going to tell you anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yay. <laughs> the uh, big B. Yeah, the, it's, it's exciting. I know you don't have stars network as we transition to a little wrestling talk before we get out of here. I know you don't have stars network. I don't know if you do, Doc, but if you haven't checking out heels yet with Steve, that was my first article for movie web was heels. Uh, heels is absolutely outstanding. Um, there's been three episodes so far. I'm absolutely 100% hooked. Um, I look forward to the show every week. Uh, the good thing about having the stars app and streaming it, the show technically doesn't debut until Sunday night, but if you have the stars app, you get to watch the new episode on Sunday morning uh, on the streaming app. So you get to watch it early. Uh, but if you are a wrestling fan and you enjoy, you know, Stephen Amell's work, of course, everybody knows him from Arrow. Um, you, you definitely want to check this out. Um, it's very well written, very well done. And it does a good job, I think, of telling the story of how things work in a small independent wrestling company. You know, the ins and outs from the backstage to the to the main stage of how things operate and how things work. It's very well done. And, I mean, come on, uh, CM Punk with a mullet named Ricky Reeves. <laughs> what more could you ask for? I mean, come on. That's just fantastic. <laughs> Speaking of CM Punk and kind of going back to Marvel, I thought you'd appreciate this. I'm saving it for, you said you were going to talk about CM Punk. In 2017, Shang-Chi went on a revival. So Shang-Chi was, uh, was picked back up in main production. Uh, uh, as its own as his own character, he's he's always been a part of team ups. His original run had 125 uh, 125 uh, episodes uh, for the comic series. It took him so he lasted from 73 to 88, I think is what it was. And then uh, they picked him up on a couple of different revivals. His most recent revival, though, was done by none other than Mr. Phil Brooks himself, CM Punk. Nice, nice. So, uh, Big B, you have to be disappointed, by the way. Because I know if I were you, I'd be disappointed. As we all know, Big B did live in Chicago for quite some time. (laughs) He no longer lives in the city of Chicago. Boy, is he missing out. He he missed out. He missed out majorly. in what, in what the people in the business like to call the Road Warriors pop. My goodness. But that's not even the important thing. Big B, do you realize what you're missing out on? The most important thing that you're missing out on, Big B? Do you know what that is? No. CM Punk ice cream bars. <laughs> Come on. I mean, how awesome was that? I mean, of all things. And then the fact that he gives away, literally and legitly, a CM Punk Best of the World ice cream bar to everybody in attendance that was absolutely fantastic. And I thought was just amazing. And then now, like this weekend and all out, they're going to be selling CM Punk ice cream bars at all the concession stands in the arena of All Out this weekend. <laughs> so, so 
his saying that, Doc, what was your initial reaction when you saw this? So I had to watch it the next day, but I thought that this is where the wrestling war is going to get interesting again. A lot of people thought TNA was going to bring that originally. Uh, I know TNA kind of fizzled out, uh, but WWE has gotten complacent over the last few years. They're, they're pushing the wrong people. Uh, they're in this thing where they want to shove one person down your throat until the other person just leaves, a la John Cena. Um, John Cena now Roman Reigns. I think they're getting complacent. And in the world of competition, or in the world of business, competition is a good thing. And I think that competition makes people better. And with AEW pulling this now and bringing in CM Punk, uh, you know, as well as some of the things they're doing with Cody Rhodes, I, if I'm not mistaken, Stephen Amell himself is is in AEW part time. Um, so I think that you know some of the things that AEW is doing, and then is obviously channeling some of the stuff that WWE is responding with because the big rumored match for uh, WrestleMania 38 now is The Rock uh, going to be fighting. Uh, uh, Roman Reigns. So, and then of course we exactly right. So, like you know, they, know they, they, he's not going to lose to the Rock. Why are they doing right. that? I don't like it. And and then of course they the immediate response was, oh hey, let's bring back Brock Lesnar. Like, come on, WWE, get it together. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you at this point. You know, you're you're not you're not pulling out any big strings. You're not doing any anything special. You need to ramp it up because if not, AEW is not going to go the way of TNA. You know, the AEW's picked up steam. They've got a good, uh, they've got a good writing staff. They're not using washed up, um, you know, uh, writers that used to write their own series that have now failed. They're using good, young, talented writers. They're shooting ideas. They have an idea room. You know, they're doing everything that WWE is not. And I think that's a fresh and exciting perspective. And it's going to come, it's going to catch up with WWE eventually. But the ball is in WWE's court on how they're going to respond. And they've got to respond. I agree. Big B, your thoughts on uh, CM Punk and uh, the way, the trajectory at which this puts professional wrestling and AEW as a company. Um, I think it's completely um, it's just it's it's completely the wrong way of thinking as far as how WWE has done it. Um, they they've said countless times they don't consider AEW competition. They don't consider them a, a threat to them or, or anything like that. Kind of have to because they are making wrestling fun again. I mean, I I still watch WWE programming when I can, but Raw is absolutely 100% unwatchable. It is unwatchable. And I don't know if any of you heard what happened last week where Vince was screaming, he was irate, he he ripped up every script that was brought to him and they rewrote the show like 6 o'clock and the show started like at 8 or whatever time it started. And it's and that's what they and that's what they gave you. Like Nia Jax who constantly injures people and she's unsafe in the ring. That's a problem. You get rid of Alexa Bliss, who was starting a feud with Charlotte Flair for the women's title. So I don't know what I don't know what trajectory you're going. And then you have Bobby Lashley, maybe feud with Goldberg. Still, who the hell knows? Goldberg can barely walk. Raw, Raw is a complete garbage show. It's really bad. And I've heard NBC is not happy about it. 
because you brought back Brock and Becky Lynch to go to SmackDown. NBC's like, look, guys, you, 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 our ratings are terrible. You need to have some star power on Raw, and they don't. As much as I like Sheamus, I love Sheamus. Sheamus is one of my favorites of all time. But he's, it's, it's, it's not a big name there to really drive that brand. It's not. It's really, it's really a problem. Um, as far as AEW goes, boy, oh, boy. Am I really upset that I cannot be there in person to watch it? But I'll be watching uh, live on pay-per-view for sure. But, you know, it's funny that I say this. I would rather the show have the card that it has and be put on the way that it has and me not be there than me be there and it can be anything different than what it is. Because the card is so perfect. The card is... The, the, it'll really show the strength of AEW's booking if the show is booked correctly. I mean, what match do you start with? What match do you end with? How do you book the show? Um, that's going to be a real testament to how good they are in their booking. Uh, let, me ask you, let me ask this from a booking standpoint. Uh, is Punk book last? No. You think he's booked first? No. I, I, I honestly, like, I would assume Kenny and Christian go on last because it's for the AEW title. Um. And but you have it's... young, you have young bucks versus uh, Lucha Brothers in a steel cage for the tag titles. You have Punk versus Darby Allen. You have, um, uh, you know, women's the women's battle royals there. You have, you have so many matches that are that are up there. So it's like you don't yeah, know what match. Lander versus Britt Baker. Exactly, it's too many. So I don't. And you have possibly debuts of people. It's a Daniel whole. Brian. <clears throat> Daniel Bryan, Ruby Ruby Soho might debut in the battle royal, which, which I'm definitely excited about. Um, I mean, it's no secret that us three triple threat talk of followed Ruby since she was highly loveless in OVW. So we're definitely excited to see her on a bigger stage where she belongs. Do they, um, book, do they book Punk to go over? I think you have to since it's in Chicago. I think you have to. Um, I don't think you and, have to. Oh, also, I forgot to mention how stupid of me. Chris Jericho put his career on the line against MJF. Jericho's, I mean, not, Jericho's not losing it, man. You know, I would say that. But that promo on Wednesday felt like a goodbye to me. I felt like he was saying goodbye, and you just look at his eyes. I felt like he was like, that was it for him. I, I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I, so I just, do you think maybe that if he is gone, is there a way of replacing him with somebody like CM Punk? Would you consider him like – because, you know, Jericho was the big name that got the ball rolling. He's the big face that got him – on the map, he's been with them since day one. So, would Punk be then be the replacement, or if you know, I think, I mean, obviously, Punk's, you know, Punk's forty, I think forty two. So it's not like he's he's one of the younger up and coming talents like a Darby Allen or an MJF or, or Orange Cassidy, like those type of young talents who's going to be with the company for a while. Um, so I don't know if he's if that's his role, but you know. Like I said, MJF is the biggest guy they have, in my opinion, as far as the future goes. He is so phenomenal. He's the number um, one heel in professional wrestling. On the mic, he is un- it's unbelievable how good he is. Yes. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, I don't know. If, I, I mean, personally, I mean, I could, I, this is just my opinion. I think his in-ring talent isn't there yet. Makes it'll sense. get there. I think it'll get there. Once that happens, he's going to be number one in the world, I think, once he gets talent matches his mic skills. So, um, I mean, there's talk about, like you said, Daniel Bryan. There's talk about Adam Cole, maybe, um, joining. And then that maybe Bray Wyatt. So it's a whole other list of people that might join the roster um, to make AEW just uh, the, probably the best roster in, in the entire world as far as professional wrestling goes. I'll, um, I'll say this. If AEW gets Bray Wyatt 
and um, and Daniel Bryan, WWE's done. Well, I think they're done now. It's just because, I mean, they basically erased. I don't know how long NXT's been around. It's been around a long time. They completely just erased that the whole brand and the way it was presented. They want no more indie talent, which nope. is like Adam Cole, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, just to name a couple people, uh, Cesaro. A lot Cesaro of those talent they have, Scott Rollins. Um, you know, a lot of indie talent they have on their roster, some of the bigger names, they don't want that anymore. And now NXT, I mean, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, NXT, but the show is going to be written by Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard, who I believe they still run Raw, so NXT is going to be a joke. And, and that's a shame because NXT, for the longest part, for the longest time, was the number one brand, not just for WWE, but was the number one brand in all of wrestling. NXT put on the best matches all the time. Takeovers were always exciting. And now it's going to be ruined because, because I honestly don't know why. I really don't. Because Vince McMahon's ego, that's why. I mean, that's the best way to put it, in my opinion. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can't call WWE dead yet, though, because they've come out of some pretty – they they've gotten out of some pretty tight spots before, and like I said, there's there's even work uh, there's even word that the whole Bray Wyatt situation with them could be a work. So we do want to acknowledge that. But uh, I'm, it, if it's not though, if it's if it's not a work, and Bray and uh, and Daniel do go to AEW, that's going to be hard to to pull out for WWE. Let me say this too, uh, regards to like WWE being in trouble and getting out of it. They never really faced something like alternative company that CM Punk has been gone for seven years. Yeah. And he said countless times he's never coming back. He's not wrestling anymore. But then there's this company run by a genius that and Tony Khan, who's a wrestling fan. He knows how to run the business. He knows who to hire to run the business for him. And he came back to a to that company. He came back. He returned to the ring. And he's gonna return to the ring this Sunday. Um, so, you know, WWE is not the, 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 it's not the end all be all anymore. I mean, it has the cachet name, I guess it's been around for like 50, 60 years. Um, he crashed the internet, Big B. <laughs> he crashed the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I mean, he, he crashed for wrestling teeth. His website was down. Um, funny so story I, about that. I got an email this morning. From Pro Wrestling Tees, it said normally we have a seven to ten day turnaround, but we do apologize that there's going to be a delay in ordering because uh, it took me a day and a half to get a CM Punk shirt ordered. Yeah, it, because the website would crash; it would open for a minute and then it would crash. He yeah. crashed Shop AEW. He crashed Pro Wrestling Tees. There's a backlog of people with orders on Pro Wrestling Tees. Um, the the replays of his open of his debut promo on the internet are like in the millions for views. I mean, it was smart what they did. They did it in Chicago. Well, they sold out the freaking United Center for a ten minute promo. They sold out the United Center for a ten minute promo. I mean, if you look at the lineup for for first dance that night. It was three mid-card matches and a 10-minute punk promo. And they literally sold out the United Center uh, for a 10-minute promo. Literally. It was crazy. It was insane. So, 
I'm uh I'm I'm under the belief that uh that this is a this is a great thing for not only AEW but for professional wrestling as a whole. Maybe WWE will step their game up. Doc, I agree with you. WWE's came out of the basement before on things where they have and I believe we've lost Big B again. Yeah, he 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 lost again. Yeah, we lost Big B again. But you know they have uh, gone in the doldrums before, and they've come out of it. And maybe you know maybe then uh, they can do it again. But uh, uh, for sure. But I'll be tuned in all out. Uh, I think it's going to be a great show. Um, and I think Punk coming back is a great thing. And it actually makes me want to talk wrestling. I mean, wrestling is so boring, but when you see stuff like this and you hear Wyatt, Daniel Bryan, that and the other, it makes me excited to actually talk wrestling again. And we have to still acknowledge, you know, the thing with Bray Wyatt with WWE, that could still potentially be a work. So we're, you know, we we do want to acknowledge that. We don't want to act like we're a bunch of marks over here. So that could still potentially be a work. Which is very possible. Very, very possible. Now I think we've gotten Big B back. Big B, are you? I think we lost you and now you've returned. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> uh, well, well, Gary could hear me just fine. I, what I was saying was that uh, how they basically sold out the United Center for a 10 minute promo. Yeah. And, and that, you know, punk is good not only for uh, AEW, but pro wrestling as a whole. Just, and as I was, and as a doc alluded to, you know, and I alluded to, it actually makes it fun to just talk and discuss pro wrestling again. It's making it fun again. It's like, okay, you know, when that used to be our main driving topic, you know, when we first started that, was we loved talking wrestling. And when you see stuff like this and you see the probabilities of Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt and Adam Cole and, and whoever else may be, big free agents and jump ship. And I know I've seen the comparisons. I understand the comparisons. All I see is, well, this is just WCW part two. No, the difference here is, is Tony Khan is a genius and Tony Khan has money. Whereas before it was just Ted Turner had the money and he let some Jack and eight named Eric Bischoff ruin the company. So there's actually a smart person he has the money and he has the brains and he has the backing. Uh, Turner is absolutely ecstatic with the performance of AEW. I know you've seen the articles on ringside seats and pro wrestling, you know, all the dirt sheets, how Turner is just over the moon thrilled with what AEW is doing and how, how they're doing things, you know, a total 180 compared to what WWE has got going on with NBC. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see where AEW takes it uh, and to see, frankly, how WWE responds. Because I do know one thing, like you've said a couple times, they're not going to take it laying down. They will come up with something. It's just, will that something be what wrestling fans want? I agree. I agree. So before we wrap up here, any final thoughts, guys, before we get out of here? I was just going to say, in regards to the wrestling topic, it's, you know, it's, as Doc said, like they'll figure something out. It's like, I don't know if they do. I really don't because their business model the last couple of years has been like, like, I love Edge. Don't get a twist. I love Edge. But it's like the guy's like way past like the point of where 
he should be the main focal point of your company. You had all these these young talent like Adam Cole gone. You had Seth Rollins. Why don't you start pushing him more? You have people like you have people, you have these people in NXT, and you let them go. Are you not bringing them up? I don't. I don't. I don't get it. So it's like, if this is what you're going to continue to do, AW is going to continue to be, you know, people what people watch. And I'll say this real quick. Once WrestleMania 27 with 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 four friend with three other friends, and two of them just stopped watching WWE altogether because WWE was a, a a poor product in their opinion. They stopped watching. Well, guess what? The other friend I watched, the, uh, still watched WWE with. We bought, we got those two new friends back, and they're watching AW because AW is, is worth watching. Yeah, yep, you're you're absolutely right, Doc. Any final thoughts before we head out of here? Yeah, I was going to uh, wild card it. Um, so my, uh, I, I wrote an article recently that didn't take off in and of itself about uh, about Loki, but a fan theory that I put in there, uh, my theory about. Um, he who remains or Kang uh, did kind of pick up a little bit of a spark itself. And that is, and I want to get y'all's thoughts on this. I think you'll like where I'm going with this. So he who remains Kang um, is a descendant of the fantastic four. So he's a, he's a descendant of, of Reed Richards and Sue storm. Who's, child is named Franklin Richards. Well, Franklin Richards, you know, we, we don't know where his story goes yet because it's still being explored, but eventually we do know that uh, there are children in the Richards line that end up with King of the Conqueror in the 31st century. <clears throat> so here's where my, my theory is, and that is this. Either Sue Storm or Reed Richards, or both were victims of the snap from Thanos. Now, can, can either one of you guys figure out why I would say that? No. Big B? Uh, no, it's going to be no for me, dog. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be no for me, dog. All right. That, thanks, Randy. I appreciate that. Oh, no, sorry, dude. Way out of tune. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, so here's where the theory gets interesting. We know that He Who Remains allows certain movements in the timeline. Allah, he allowed the Avengers to go back in time to correct Thanos' staff. Remember in Loki, Judge, uh, Judge uh, Ravina says what the Avengers did were, was supposed to happen. So that meant they were supposed to go back in time and fix the snap. This means that Franklin Richards, or I'm sorry, that, uh, that Nathaniel Richards, AKA King the Conqueror, allowed them to go back in time to fix the snap because if he didn't, he would not exist in any universe because he would be a descendant of Sue Storm and Reed Richards. All right. That is, that is a very interesting theory. I will give you that. Uh, I, it's kind of, it's taken off a little bit. I've gotten a, a lot of good feedback from that theory that even though we have not met the fantastic four in the MCU yet, we do know the movies upcoming, but that, 
you know, people are definitely finding it interesting that, uh, you know, probably Reed Richards or Sue Storm or both were victims of the snap. That is, uh, that, that is a interesting. And if you want to check that article out, you can do that. Uh, the doc, like he said, he posts all of his articles that he likes on movieweb.com, including his most recent article. So, uh, you want to check out all the intertwinings of uh, author the doc, uh, <laughs> you can do that on movieweb.com. Uh, and if you want to create a podcast, uh, if you're looking to uh, create a podcast or get on here and chat with some friends and do, it's never been easier than now uh, with our good friends at Anchor. Anchor with just a click of a button, uh, you yourself uh, can create a podcast and you're podcast can be heard uh, in different podcast platforms across the the, the net uh, from Spotify to Google to Apple Podcasts. There's a myriad of ways that Anchor can help you do that. So if you ever wanted to do that, check it out, anchor.com. Or if you want to leave a message to Big B and tell him how you appreciated the mid-show nap with the tennis coverage or... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, maybe you want to talk about how uh, how marvelous that me and the doc are. You can leave us a message uh, <laughs> on the uh, on the uh, leave us a message feed anchor.com backslash triple threat talk, and you can leave us a message and tell us how you, what you like, what you didn't like about the show, and who knows uh, there is a feature where we could actually possibly play some of those on air. So leave us a message there. Uh, we and we we do appreciate you tuning in, and we look forward to uh, being back next week uh, to record another uh, episode of Triple Threat Talk. So for the uh, fantastic Doc Gary Lockard and our good pal Big B Brandon Demiro, uh, this is Jimmy Bigger saying uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great night, guys.